Chapter Eleven of The Wooden Horse by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. Garrett Trojan had considered the matter for two days and had come to no conclusion. His manner of considering anything was peculiar. He loved procrastination and coloured future events with such beautiful radiancy that when they actually came, the shock of finding them only drab was so terrible that he avoided them altogether he was however saved from any lasting pain and disappointment because he had been given from early childhood that splendid gift of discovering himself to be the continual hero of a continual play it was not only that he could make no move in life at all without being its hero that of course was pleasant enough but that it was always a fresh discovery was truly the amazing thing he was able to wake up, as it were, and discover afresh every day of his life what a hero he was. This was never monotonous, never wearisome. He played the game anew from day to day, and the best part of the game was not knowing that it was a game at all. It must be admitted that he only maintained the illusion by keeping somewhat apart from his fellow men. Too frequent contact must have destroyed his dreams but his aloofness was termed preserving his individuality and in the well-curtained library in carpet slippers and a smoking jacket he built his own monument with infinite care before an imaginary crowd in an imaginary city of dreams there were times of course when he was a little uneasy he had heard men titter at the club Claire had occasionally spoken plain words as to his true position in the house, and he had even at times doubts as to the permanent value of the book on which he was engaged. During these awful moments he gazed through the rent curtain into a valley of dead men's bones, ruled by a dreary god who had no knowledge of Garrett Trojan and cared very little for the fortunes of the Trojan house but a diligent application to the storehouses of his memory produced testimonials dragged for the most part from reluctant adherents which served to prove that garrett trojan was a great man and the head of a great family he would however like some definite act to prove conclusively that he was head he had at times the unhappy suspicion that an outsider regarding the matter superficially might be led to conclude that clare held command he found that if he interfered at all in family matters this suspicion was immediately strengthened and so he confined himself to his room and watered diligently the somewhat stinted crop of illusions nevertheless he felt the necessity of some prominent action that would still forever his suspicions of incompetence and would afford him a sure foundation on which to build his palace of self-complacency and personal appreciation during his latter years he had regarded himself as his father's probable successor harry had seemed a very long way off in new zealand and became eventually an improbable myth for garrett had that happy quality bestowed on the ostrich of sticking his head into the sand of imagination and boastfully concluding that facts were not there harry was a fact but by continuously asserting that new zealand was a long way off and that harry would never come back Harry's existence became a very pleasant fairy story, like nautical tales of the sea serpent and the bewitching mermaid. 
they might be there and it was very pleasant to listen to stories about them but they had no real bearing on life as he knew it harry's return had of course shattered this bubble and garrett had had to yield all hopes of eventual succession he had on the whole borne it very well and had come to the conclusion that succeeding his father would have entailed the performance of many wearisome duties but that future being denied him it was more than ever necessary to seize some opportunity of personal distinction the discussion as to the destruction of the cove had seemed to offer him every chance of attaining a prominent position the matter had grown in importance every day pendragon had divided into two separate and sharply distinguished camps one standing valiantly by its standard of picturesque tradition and its hatred of modern noise and materialism the other asserting loudly its love of utility and progress derisively pointing the figure of scorn at old-world conservatism run mad and an incredible affection for defective drainage garrett had flung himself heart and soul as he said into the latter of these parties and feeling that this was a chance of distinction that fortune was not likely to offer him again in the near future appeared frequently at discussions and even on one occasion in the town hall spoke but he was surprised and disappointed he found that he had nothing to say the truth being that he was much more interested in garrett than in the cove and that his audience had come to listen to the second of these two subjects rather than the first he found himself shelved he was most politely told that he was not wanted and he retired into his carpet slippers again after one of those terrible quarters of an hour when he peeped past the curtain and saw a miserable naked puppet shivering in a grey world and that puppet was garrett trojan then suddenly a second opportunity presented itself robin's trouble was unexpectedly reassuring this he told himself was the very thing if he could only prove to the world that he had dealt successfully with practical matters in a practical way he need never worry again let him deal with this affair promptly and resourcefully as a man of the world and a true trojan and his position was assured he must obtain the letters and at once he spent several pleasant hours picturing the scene in which he returned the letters to robin he knew precisely the moment the room the audience that he would choose he had decided on the words that he would speak but he was not sure yet as to how he would obtain the letters he thought over it for three days and came to no conclusion it ought not to be difficult the girl was probably one of those common adventuresses of whom one heard so often he had never actually met one they did not suit carpet slippers but one knew how to deal with them it was merely a matter of tact and savoir-faire yes it would be fun when he flourished the letters in the face of the family how amazed claire would be and how it would please robin and then he suddenly awoke to the fact that time was getting on and that he had done nothing and after all there were only two possible lines of action to write or to seek a personal interview of these he infinitely preferred the first he need not leave his room he could direct operations from his armchair and he could preserve that courtesy and decorum that truly befitted a trojan but he had grave fears that the letter would not be accepted 
robins had been scorned and his own might suffer the same fate no he was afraid that it must be a personal interview he had come to this conclusion reluctantly and now he hesitated to act on it she might be violent and he felt that he could not deal with melodrama but the thought of ultimate victory supported him the delicious surprise of it the gratitude the security of his authority from all attack for the rest of his days ah yes it was worth it he dressed carefully in a suit of delicate grey wearing as he did on all public occasions an eyeglass he took some time over his preparations and drank a whisky and soda before starting he had secured the address from robin without he flattered himself any discovery as to the reason of his request ten seaview terrace ah yes he knew where that was a gloomy back street quite a fitting place for such an affair he was still uncertain as to the plan of campaign but he could not conceive it creditable that any young woman in any part of the british empire would stand up long against a trojan it would he felt certain prove easy he noticed with pleasure the attention paid to him by the down-at-heel servant it was good augury for the success of the interview he lowered his voice to a deep bass whilst asking for miss feverel and he fixed his eyeglass at a more strikingly impressive angle he looked at women from four points of view and he had as it were a sliding scale of manners on which he might mark delicately his perception of their position there was firstly the countess or titled nobility here his manner was slightly deferential and at the same time a little familiar proof of his own good breeding secondly there was the trojan or the lady of assured position here he was quite familiar and at the same time just a little patronizing proof of his sense of trojan superiority thirdly there was the governess or poor gentility position to members of this class he was affably kind conveying his sense of their merits and sympathy with their struggle against poverty but nevertheless marking quite plainly the gulf fixed between him and them fourthly there were the impossibles or the rest ranging from the wives of successful brewers to that class known as unfortunate here there was no alteration in his manner he was stern and short and stiff with all of them and the reason of their existence was one of the unsolved problems that had always puzzled him this woman would of course belong to this latter class he drew himself up haughtily as he entered the drawing-room dahlia feverel was alone seated working in the window life was beginning to offer attractions to her again the thought of work was pleasing she had decided to train as a nurse and she began to see robin in a clear true light she was even beginning to admit that he had been right that their marriage would have been a great mistake the announcement of garrett trojan took her by surprise she gathered her work together and rose her brain refusing to act consecutively he wanted of course the letters well she had not got them it promised to be rather amusing and he on his side was surprised he had expected a woman with frizzled hair and a dress of violent colours he saw a slender pale girl in black and she looked rather more of a lady than he had supposed he was in spite of himself confused 
he began hurriedly i i am mr garrett trojan i dare say you've heard of me from my nephew robin robert with whom i believe you are acquainted miss uh, feverel i have come on his behalf to request the return of some letters that he wrote to you during the summer he drew a breath and paused well that was all right anyhow and quite sufficiently businesslike won't you sit down mr trojan she said smiling at him it is good of you to have taken so much trouble simply about a few letters and you really might have written mightn't you and save yourself a personal visit he refused to sit down and drew himself up now i warn you miss feverel he said that this is no laughing matter you are doing a very foolish thing in keeping the letters very foolish um, you must of course see that exceedingly foolish he came to a pause it was really rather difficult to know what to say next ah mr trojan she answered you must leave me to judge about the foolishness of it after all they are my letters pure waste of time he answered his voice getting a little shrill after all there can be no question about it we must have the letters we are ready to go some lengths to obtain them even our money now mr trojan she said quickly you are scarcely polite but i am sure that you will see no reason for prolonging this interview when i say that under no circumstances whatever can i return the letters that is my unchanging decision he had no words he stared at her dumb with astonishment this open defiance was the very last thing that he had expected then at last you refuse he said with a little gasp yes she answered lightly and i cannot see anything very astonishing in my refusal they are my property and it is nobody else's business at all bah it is he almost screamed business why i should think it was do you think we want to have a scandal throughout the kingdom do you imagine that it would be pleasant for us to have our name in all the papers our name that has never known disgrace since the days of william the conqueror you can have he added solemnly very little idea of the value of a name if you imagine that we are going to tolerate its abuse in this fashion dear me no he was growing quite red at the thought of his possible failure the things in the room annoyed him the everlasting rustling on the mantelpiece a staring photograph of mr feverel deceased that seemed to follow him protestingly round and round the room a corner of a dusty grey road seen dimly through dirty window-panes why did people live in such a place or rather why did such people live at all and to think that it was people like that who dared to threaten trojan honour how could robin have been such a fool so feeling that the situation was so absurd that argument was out of place he began to bluster oh come now miss feverel that won't do you know it won't really it's too absurd oh quite ridiculous why you forget altogether who the trojans are why we've been years and years hundreds of years you can't intend to oppose institutions of that kind why it's impossible you don't realize what you're doing dear me no why the whole thing's fantastic and then rather lamely you'll be sorry you know she had been listening to him with amusement it was pleasant to have the family on its knees like this after its treatment of her he was saying too very many of the things that his brother had said but how different it was 
you know mr trojan she said that i can't help feeling that you are making rather a lot of it after all i haven't said that i'm going to do anything with the letters have i simply keep them and that i think i am quite entitled to do and really my mind won't change about that i cannot give them to you cannot he retorted eagerly why it's easy enough you know miss feverel it won't do to play with me i'm a man of the world and fencing won't do you know not a bit of it when i say i mean to have the letters i mean to have them and uh, um that's all about it it won't do to fence you know he said again but i'm not fencing mr trojan i'm saying quite plainly what is perfectly true that i cannot let you have the letters nothing that you can say will change my mind and he really didn't know what to say he didn't want to have a scene he shrunk timidly from violence of any kind but he really must secure the letters how they would laugh at the club why he could hear the guffaws of all pendragon london would be one enormous scream of laughter all europe would be amused and to his excited fancy asia and africa seemed to join the chorus a trojan and a common girl in a breach of promise case a trojan i say he stammered you don't know how serious it is people will laugh you know if you bring the case on of course it was silly of him uh, robin i mean i can't conceive myself how he ever came to do such a thing boys will be boys and you're rather pretty my dear but bless me if we were to take all these little things seriously why where would some of us be he paused and hinted impressively at a hideous past you are attractive you know he looked at her in his most flattering manner quite a nice girl only you shouldn't take it seriously really you shouldn't this manner of speech was a great deal more offensive than the other and dahlia got up her cheeks flushed that is enough mr trojan i think this had better come to an end i can only repeat what i have said already that i cannot give you the letters and indeed if i had ever intended to do so your last speech at least would have changed my mind i am sorry that i cannot oblige you but there's really nothing further to be said he tried to stammer something he faced her for a moment and endeavoured to be indignant and then to his own intense astonishment found that he was walking down the stairs with the drawing-room door closed behind him how amazing but he had done his best and if he had failed why after all no other man could have succeeded any better and she really was rather bewitching he had not expected anything quite like that what had he expected he did not know but he thought of his softly carpeted nicely cushioned room with pleasurable anticipation he would fling himself into his book when he got back he had several rather neat ideas he noticed with pleasure that the young man standing by the door of Meade's groceries touched his hat very respectfully, and Twitchett, his tailor, bowed. Come, come, there were a few people left who had some sense of Trojan supremacy. It wasn't such a bad world. He would have tea in his room, not with Claire, and crumpets. Yes, he liked crumpets. Dahlia went back to her work with a sigh. What, she wondered, would be the next move? it had not been quite so amusing as she had expected but it had been a little more exciting for she had a curious feeling in it all that she was fighting harry trojan's battles these were the people that had insulted him just as they had insulted her and now they would have to pay for it they would have to go to him as they had gone to her 
and crawl on their knees but what a funny situation that she should play the son for the father and that she should be able to look at her own love affair so calmly poor robin he had taught her a great deal and now it was time for him to learn his own lesson for her the episode was closed and she was looking forward to the future she would work and win her way and have done with sentiment friendship was the right thing the thing that the world was meant for but love ah that wounded so much more than it blessed but she was to have further experiences the trojan family had not done with her yet garrett had been absent barely more than half an hour when the servant again appeared at the door with miss trojan miss dahlia would like to see yer and is waitin in the hall her hand twitching at her apron and mouth gaping with astonishment testified to her curiosity for weeks the house had been unvisited and now in a single day uh, show her up annie she was a little agitated garrett had been simple enough and even rather amusing but claire trojan was quite another thing she was dahlia knew the head of the family and a woman of the world but dahlia clenched her teeth it was this person who was responsible for the whole affair for the father's unhappiness for the son's disloyalty it was she who had been as it were behind robin's halting speeches concerning inequality and one's duty to the family here was the head of the house and dahlia held the cards but claire was very calm and collected as she entered the room she had decided that a personal interview was necessary but had rather regretted that it could not be conducted by letter but still if you had to deal with that kind of person you must put up with their methods and having once made up her mind about a thing she never turned back she hated the young person more bitterly than she had ever hated any one and she would have heard of her death with no shadow of pity but rather a great rejoicing in the first place the woman had come between claire and robin secondly she threatened the good name of the family thirdly she was forcing claire to do several things that she very much disliked doing for all these reasons the young person was too bad to live but she had no intention of being uncivil although this was her first experience of diplomacy she had very definite ideas as to how such things ought to be conducted and civility would hide a multitude of subtleties claire meant to be very subtle very kind and once the letters were in her hand very unrelenting she was wearing a very handsome dress of grey silk with a large picture hat with grey feathers she entered the room with a rustle and the sweep of the skirts spoke of infinite condescension uh, miss feverell i believe she held out her hand i am afraid this is a most unceremonious hour for a call and if i have interrupted you in your work oh pray go on i wouldn't for the world what a day hasn't it been i always think that these sort of grey depressing days are so much worse than the downright pouring ones don't you you are always expecting you know and then nothing ever comes dahlia looked rather nervous in the window and on her face there fluttered a rather uncertain smile yeah, yes she said a little timidly but i think that most of the days here are grey ah you find that do you well now that's strange because i must say that i haven't found that my own experience and cornwall you know is said to be the land of colour the english riviera some rather prettily call it 
and st ives you know along the coast is quite a place for painters because of the colour that they get there dahlia said yes and there was a pause then claire made her plunge you must wonder a little miss feverel what i have come about i really must apologize again about the hour but i won't keep you more than a moment and it is all quite a trivial matter though trivial that i am ashamed to disturb you about it i would have written but i happened to be passing and so i uh, came in yes said dahlia well it's about some letters perhaps you've forgotten that my nephew robert trojan wrote to you last summer he tells me that you met last summer at cambridge and became rather well acquainted and that after that he wrote to you for several months he tells me that he wrote to you asking you to return his letters and that you doubtless through forgetfulness failed to reply he is naturally a little nervous about writing to you again and so i thought that as i was passing i would just come and see you about the matter but i'm really ashamed to bother you about anything so trivial no answered dahlia i didn't forget i wrote answered robin's letter ah you did then he must have misunderstood you he certainly gave me to understand oh yes i wrote to robin saying that i was sorry but i intended to keep the letters claire paused and looked at her sharply this was the kind of thing that she had expected of course the young person would bluff and stand out for a tall price which must if necessary be paid to her but miss feverel surely she smiled deprecatingly that can't be your definite answer to him poor robin surely he is entitled to letters that he himself has written might i ask miss trojan why you are anxious that they should be returned oh merely a whim nothing of any importance but robin feels as i am sure you must that the whole episode pleasant enough at the time no doubt is over and he feels that it would be more completely closed if the letters were destroyed ah but there we differ said dahlia sharply it's just what i don't feel about it i value those letters miss trojan highly now what thought claire exactly was she number one the intriguing adventuress number two the outraged woman number three the helpless girl clinging to her one support now of numbers one and two claire had had no experience such persons had never come her way and indeed of number three she could know very little so she escaped from generalities and fixed her mind on the actual girl in front of her this was most certainly no intriguing adventurous claire had quite definite ideas about that class of person but she very possibly was the outraged female at any rate she would act on that conclusion my dear young lady she said softly you must not think that i do not sympathize i, I do indeed from the bottom of my heart robin has behaved abominably and any possible reparation we as a family will gladly pay i, I think however that you are a little hard on him he was young and so were you and it is very easy for us uh, we women especially to mistake the reality of our affection robin at any rate made a mistake and saw it and frankly told you so it was wrong very but i cannot help feeling uh, forgive me if i speak rather plainly that it would be equally wrong on your part if you were to indulge any feeling of revenge there is not said dahlia any question of revenge 
ah said claire brightly you will let me have the letters then i cannot talia answered gravely uh, really miss trojan i am afraid that we can gain nothing by further discussion i have looked at the matter from every point of view and i am afraid that i can come to no other decision claire stared in front of her what was to be her next move like garrett she had been brought to a standstill by dahlia's direct refusal viewing the matter indefinitely from the security of her own room it had seemed to her that the girl would be certain to give way at the very mention of the trojan name she would face robin yes that was natural enough because after all he was only a boy and had no knowledge of the world and the proper treatment of such a case but when it came to the head of the family with all the influence of the family behind her then instant submission seemed inevitable claire was forced to realize that instant submission was very far away indeed and that the girl sitting quietly in the window showed little sign of yielding she sat up a little straighter in her chair and her voice was a little sharper it seems then miss feverel that it is a question of terms but why did you not say so before i would have told you at once that we are willing to pay a very considerable sum for the return of the letters dahlia's face flushed and after a moment's pause she rose from her chair and walked towards claire miss trojan she said quietly i have no intention of taking money for them or indeed of taking anything i am sure broke in claire flushing slightly i, I had no intention of ah uh, no i know went on dahlia but it is not i assure you a case for melodrama but a very plain and simple little affair that is happening everywhere all the time you say that you cannot understand why i should wish to keep the letters let me try and explain and also let me try and urge on you that it is really no good at all trying to change my mind it is now several days since i had my last talk with robin and i have of course thought a great deal about it it is scarcely likely that half an hour's conversation with you will change a determination that i have arrived at after ten days hard thinking and surely it is not hard to understand six months ago i was happy and inexperienced i had never been in love and indeed i had no idea of its meaning then your nephew came he made love to me and i loved him in return she paused for a moment claire looked sympathetic then dahlia continued he meant no harm no doubt and perhaps for the time he was quite serious in what he said he was as you say very young but it was a game to him it was everything to me i treasured his letters i thought of them day and night i uh, but of course you know the kind of thing that a girl goes through when she is in love for the first time then i came here and went through some bad weeks whilst he was making up his mind to tell me that he loved me no longer of course i saw well enough what was happening and i knew why it was it was the family at his back a murmur from claire i, I assure you miss feverel oh yes miss trojan you don't suppose that i cared for you very much during those weeks i suffered a little too and it changed me from a girl into a woman rather too quickly to be altogether healthy perhaps and then he came and told me in so many words i thought at first that it had broken my heart a girl does you know when it happens the first time but you needn't be afraid my heart's all right and i wouldn't marry robin now if he begged me to 
but it had hurt all of it and perhaps one's pride had suffered most of all and so of course i kept the letters it was the one way that i could hurt you i'm frank am i not but every woman would do the same you see you are so very proud you trojans it is not only that you thank god that you are not as other men but you are so bent on making the rest of us call out miserable sinner very loudly and humbly and we don't believe it why should we everybody has their own little bits of things that they treasure and they don't like being told that they're of no value at all why miss trojan i'm quite a proud person really you'd be surprised if you knew she laughed and then sat down on the sofa opposite claire with her chin resting on her hand so you see miss trojan it's natural after all that i kept the letters claire had listened to the last part of her speech in silence her lips firmly closed her hand folded on her lap as she listened to her she knew that it was quite hopeless that nothing that she could ever say would change the young person's mind she was horribly disappointed of course and it would be terrible to be forced to return to robin and tell him that she had failed for the first time she would have to confess failure but really she could not humble herself any longer she was not sure that even now she had not unbent a little more than was necessary if the young person refused to consider the question of terms there was no more to be said and how dare she talk about the trojans in that way really miss feverel i scarcely think that it is necessary for us to enter into a discussion of that kind is it i dare say you have every reason for personal pride but really that is scarcely my affair is it if no offer of money can tempt you well really the, the matter must rest mustn't it of course i am sorry but you know your own mind but that you should think yourself insulted by such an offer is it seems to me a little absurd it is quite obvious what you mean to do with them dahlia smiled is it she said that is very clever of you miss trojan i am sorry that you should have uh, so much trouble for such a little result there is no more to be said answered claire moving to the door good morning and she was gone oh dear said dahlia as she went back to the window how unpleasant she is poor robin what a time he will have for her the pathos was over but for them well it had not begun end of chapter eleven